Welcome to Answers News for April the 7th, 2021. I'm Avery Foley. I'm here with Bodie Hodge and Tim Chafee. And we have a live studio audience. We just want to clap and say hello to our online viewers. There they are. It is a beautiful day in Northern Kentucky today. So all of our guests at the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum are getting treated to some gorgeous uh, spring weather. It's 26 degrees to me as a Canadian, which sounds awful to all the Americans, but well, yeah. all my Canadian Wisconsin, friends will understand. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't actually know what that is in Fahrenheit, so I'm going to go with this 26 degrees. It's, it's getting up yeah. to around 80 today. Yeah. There you go, which, which actually sounds It's warmer. in the 70s, sunny, pushing <laughs> it's 80. Gorgeous. It's nice. All the bugs will come out. <laughs> That's true. So. Uh, all right, a couple things mentioned here as people jump on. Uh, Want to highlight some of our fall events. Um, our Creation College Expo uh, taking place November 4th through the 6th at the Answer Center down at the Ark Encounter. This is always a super fun event. Um, it is free. We have a whole bunch of different um, Christian colleges, universities that um, would sign on to Answers in Genesis Statement of Faith that come and set up booths and have representatives there so students can go and learn all about them mm -hmm. um, and just see some colleges that take a stand on Genesis and the age of the earth and things like yeah. that. Th this is actually a really neat event. It uh, is. You yeah, know, I was there neat. last year and, you know, there's been times I presented there as well. So we have some teaching, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, these kids get a chance to talk to a lot of different school representatives, mm -hmm. find out what the programs are. And, and you know what, this is actually a big deal for a lot of the creation colleges out there as well. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we had a good turnout last year. And yeah. I'm, I know we need to, and it's, it's important for us to advertise these things, but it. It kind of bothers me when we advertise things for October, November, when it's just becoming springtime. Because <laughs> right. you start looking forward to these, like, no, I want to enjoy the nice weather. I don't yeah, know, the, the leaves are coming out. But you know when the leaves are starting to fall off right. from an event. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to register for that, like I said, it is a free event. And all of the registered students enjoy free admission to the Ark Encounter. Um, so you can head to uh, creationcollegeexpo.org to register uh, for that event. The other thing we want to mention, again, sorry, Tim, another fall event, is our <laughs> Dia Latino taking place um, at the Ark Encounter on on the 16th of October and at the Creation Museum here, the 17th of October. Um, we host this every year and it's always uh, so fun. People love it. So this is our Spanish day. Um, we encourage people to go to arkencounter.com slash Latino to learn all about that exciting event. Um, and, and I know this, this went from basically one day to almost like a whole whole it, weekend it, kind of a, yeah, a deal. There's so much stuff awesome. going on. We always on, have really special stuff going on. So mm -hmm. be sure to check that out. All right, so our first one here is kind of our fun one. This one made me laugh um, as we get started here. Taiwanese officials, official begs people to stop changing their name to salmon for free sushi. <laughs> so what would you do for free sushi? Well, apparently, and it says in the article, mostly young people, about 150 mostly young people, changed their name to salmon in order to get in on some free sushi that this one restaurant chain was offering. Yeah, if your name basically related to seafood. Then you got a discount. In, in, in Taiwanese. Yeah, yeah, you either got a discount or it was free if it was yep. salmon. If it was I salmon. think, it, yeah, salmon is free and 50% off. So all these people started changing their name to salmon. Mm -hmm. and they've been They changed there. their names to like Salmon Prince, the Meteor Salmon King, Salmon Fried Rice. One person even now has the country's longest <laughs> name because he loves salmon that much. You should read the longest yeah. name. I can't pronounce some of the words, but okay. it's Chen loves Taiwan abalone, tuna, salmon, snow crab, sea urchin, scallop, lobster, and beef, maple. Palace de Chin or something. Regent Hilton Caesar Park and Hotel Royal. That's his name now. Imagine that signature. Man, he could probably stay all sorts of places for free. <laughs> <laughs> now, Actually, what's uh, funny, one, what's... one student said they, they spent uh, 235 
They got two dollars in uh, free sushi. Yep. And another had four hundred and sixty dollars worth of sushi. And, and so they don't have to eat for a while. Uh, yeah, and where this becomes a problem is they have to do this legally, so they have to go in mm -hmm. and have some official go through all the paperwork. And so when you have one hundred and fifty people who are the officials right. were a little bit annoyed that they were having to do this. <laughs> right. Well, apparently, it cost about three dollars. So it's uh, worth the free sushi, uh, I guess. The, my favorite part of the article, though, is at the very end. So apparently in Taiwan, you can only legally change your name three times. So not a big deal. You change your name to Sam, and you can just change it back after you get your free sushi. Well, this one guy found it the hard way. His mother had already changed his name twice. So when he changed his <laughs> name to Sam, then guess who can't change his name back now? <laughs> So you might have wanted to call his mom first before you did that and make but, sure that was okay. You know what? I'm not encouraging people to change their names or anything, but no. watch for these kind of promotions. We've got a, a one of the team members that I work with, uh, his last name is Green, and there, a couple of years ago one of the airlines offered free flights if your last name was Green on, on it wasn't Earth Day, it was some day, some day in August, I think, and so his family got to go to Florida and back for free. Mm -hmm. So cool. pay attention to those things. And he didn't even have to change his name to Salmon, so. No, he didn't. <laughs> I don't know, this whole situation's a little fishy, though. Oh. Well, to go along with that, Bodie, this, this half of the room laughed, this half of the room groaned, groaned. so we see, the, we see the humor here. Yes. <laughs> All right, our next one here comes from Gallup. U.S. church membership falls below majority for first time. So this is based on a new 2020 poll from Gallup regarding um, U.S. adults' membership to either churches, synagogues, or mosques, which for the very first time has dropped below 50% in the United States. So it's States. not just churches. Right. Yeah. You know, the headline says that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, that I mean, some of the stats in here are actually shocking. This is a pretty good-sized article. I want to encourage people to go back and read it to see what all is going on with some mm -hmm. of the st statistics, and particularly the trends. Yes. Because we've been seeing this drop off uh, for a number of generations mm -hmm. now. Uh, you know, go back to the greatest generation, they have the least. But you look down here at the millennials and uh, Gen Z. Z, I mean, they're mm -hmm. they're really uh, walking away from the uh, mm -hmm. uh, church attendance. Yeah, yeah, they showed, yeah, they showed that it stayed pretty steady from about 1940, early, the late 30s, yeah. until about the early 90s. And then you start seeing this drop mm -hmm. precipitously. And it's just, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not a, a shock to any of us, I don't think. I think we, no, we, we expect known, this no, or we see this, but, but it is sad. And, there, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the church, I, I can think of ever since the, the 90s, really has been looking for all sorts of, um, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say gimmicks, to try to draw mm -hmm. people in. And rather than just faithfully preaching the word of God, we're looking for all sorts of things that might be mm -hmm. something that would draw people and keep them there. But one of the interesting things about the article, they said the number one reason that people choose a church and stay there is... The sermons, the, sermons, for the, for the, the preaching. Message, the preaching. Mm -hmm. So why are we not doing that? Why are we focusing so much attention on everything else that isn't what they're looking for in the first mm -hmm. place? And, and yeah, so, something else we don't want to neglect either is if you look back, going all the way back to the 60s, the Bible's been ripped out of school. And when they took the Bible out of school, they took prayer, they took creation out of school, they didn't kick religion out. They replaced it with the yep. religion of secular humanism. Mm -hmm. Think atheism, agnosticism, these concepts that there's no God, naturalism, that nature is mm -hmm. all that there is. So we've had whole generations of people now raised up with this, and kids are getting hit harder and harder. I mean, you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find any textbook uh, used in the state schools that don't promote things like Big Bang evolution in millions of years. Uh, that kids are just taught to be animals. And we wonder why a lot of these kids then are walking away and following that mm -hmm. religion 
instead mm -hmm. of sticking around yeah. in church. They, they talked in the article about how there's an increasing number of Americans who have no religious preference. Um, that's grown back in um, 1998 to 2000. That was about mm -hmm. 8%. And then it jumped up to 13% by 2008. And now um, it's over 21%. So you see a huge increase in those who claim to have no religious preference. And that does not mean 21% of don't Americans have a religion, don't have a religion, <laughs> right? right? What they means? just... Yeah, what it yeah. means is they're, they're secular. They're yeah. humanistic. They've already rejected God's word in light of their own ideas. Mm -hmm. so, so they're humanistic is what it is. They just don't realize that they're, yeah. they're religious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And often they're pulling bits and pieces from different things. Mm -hmm. I like this little part of Christianity. I like this little yeah. bit of Buddhism. I like this little bit of New Age. And they're kind of mixing it all together. And they don't have a religious preference, well, but they certainly have a religious But they still wear their clothes like, very... like Christians. Yeah, and we've got generations <laughs> of, of people who have been taught that the, the goal in life is to have as much fun or to be happy and all of mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I like to have fun. I like to be happy, but that is not the goal in life. Right? Our, yeah. our goal should be to honor the Lord with what he's given us. Mm -hmm. But we, in the last two decades, especially, we have so many things that no other generations have had before. So many things that can distract us, you know, that, yep. that <laughs> other generations haven't had. So the, these younger people, it's not a surprise that in their eyes, the church can't compete. Mm -hmm. And you also have to remember, too, that, I mean, for past generations, often it was advantageous to go to church and to be a Christian. And it doesn't mean that they were a born-again believer. It was just advantageous to identify that way. But in 2021, it's not so much advantageous anymore to be a Christian. And so a lot of people are just shedding and getting rid of what was just a label. It was not about a born-again personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It was just about a label. Um, and so a lot of the people who are, who are leaving church or expressing no religious preference, who maybe did in the past, it isn't because they've, you know, abandoned Christ. They've just gotten rid of vote was just kind of a label anyway, right, and an external appearance, yeah. not an actual change of the heart of trusting in Christ for salvation. You know, there, there's another factor I wouldn't mind bringing up in this. You know, they did these stats in 2020, mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of churches were closed in 2020. Yeah. A lot of people were not going to church. A lot of people were recommended to stay at home and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. and there were a number of people that disconnected as a result. So I wonder if that might play a little bit of a role in some of these statistics as well. Potentially, yeah. But, um, you know, the the... The overall point, though, is people have been walking away from the church. Mm -hmm. And uh, churches are going to have to address this. They're going to have to step up their sermons. They're going to have to get back to the authority of the Bible. Mm -hmm. We need to stop being scared of preaching Genesis 1 to 11 just because the world doesn't like it. Or any other part of the Bible. Right, or any other part. That's exactly yeah, yeah. right. We'd recommend a book that we've been selling for about 13 years now, Already Gone. Mm -hmm. which addresses this. And, and Ken Ham uh, wrote that along with, was that, was that Britt Beamer with that one? Yeah, yeah Britt America's Beamer. Research Group. And mm -hmm. uh, they, they show that, hey, this is what happened in the UK. And America's kind of 20 years behind this. And we're mm -hmm. seeing that exact thing. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about that for a long time. So if, if you're here today, pick up Already Gone before you leave. If you're watching, uh, check yeah, the follow-up book to that. that is Ready to Return. So I would get both, Already Gone and Ready mm -hmm. to Return. And Already Compromised, the college mm -hmm. one. Yeah, that's yeah. the one dealing with uh, mm -hmm. compromising colleges. Yep. Yeah. So. All right, so speaking of what's going on in the United States, this next one, Archbishop Charles Chapuz um, warns of demise of religious freedom in the United States. So this is a Catholic archbishop who's talking about how um, really we're seeing the decrease of and the real danger of completely losing religious freedom and liberty here in the United States because most people just aren't serious about it and don't recognize the importance of it and recognize mm -hmm. how it's a, such a fundamental freedom because it recognizes the dignity of every single person. And as soon as you get rid of that, you see all kinds of things that come out as a result and a consequence hey, of losing that fundamental Let liberty. me ask our audience. Audience, how many people here see a decline in religious freedom in this country? Look at that. Hands are going up all over the place. We're seeing it. We experience this. Oh, yeah. 
-hmm. And uh, th this is just one example, you know, where we're, we're seeing someone say, hey, there's a problem here. But you know what? Mm -hmm. We've been seeing this for quite some time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Christians get attacked left and right in our culture. Churches do. Christian colleges get attacked. Uh, we're seeing this left and right. So it's nice to see mm -hmm. at least somebody standing up saying, hey, there's a problem out out in our culture. Yeah, we just covered an article last week about a, a college in Massachusetts that was being sued so that they could not enforce their hiring policy that mm -hmm. was in line with their message. Right. Well, it's a Christian school. Right. And they're, they're saying Christian schools can't hire Christian Christians. people to work at their Christian schools. How dare they? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, those, those are the kinds of attacks that we're seeing. They're saying, no, 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 you have to get rid of your Christianity and you have to abide by the secular policies mm -hmm. that are, that oh, are going Oh, Bodhi, you can have your Christianity at home. Keep it there oh, for right. now. For now. <laughs> right, yeah. Yep, yeah. And it's a good reminder for, to us that the state is not neutral. A lot of people think of that. And just like we were talking about in the, in the previous article, the state is not neutral. It has a religious bias and it is secularism. That is the reigning religion in the United States. And, um, and we're seeing that happening as that religion tries to impose itself upon others, which is what, of course, but what does the first amendment start do. with the Congress <laughs> yeah. shall establish no law regarding the establishment, establishment of a religion. religion. I mean, this yep. is, uh, from the very beginning of the, mm -hmm. of the bill of rights, that's what we have is religious mm -hmm. freedom. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Right now we have an establishment of religion. It's secularism. Yeah. It's yeah. in the schools, it's in the museums, it's in the media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most of the policy being set forth, uh, you know, from mm -hmm. government officials are based on secularism. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're mm -hmm. seeing this left that. and right, mm -hmm. uh, but they just say, well, that religion's okay. We just don't want that Christianity stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, it, really, it really points to the battle that's going on in our culture, which is between two different foundations. Will we start with God's mm -hmm. word or will we start with man's word? That's the same battle mm -hmm. that's been raging since the beginning. And, 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 and actually, maybe, maybe even clarify about it. That, that they are, they're okay with, quote, unquote, Christianity, not biblical Christianity. Right. Yes. They're okay yeah. with lots of people saying they're Christians yeah. and reinterpreting all sorts of things. Right. They don't want people to murder. They don't want people to lie. They want kids to be honest when they're at school. Mm -hmm. They want them to wear their clothes. I mean, those are all good Christian doctrines. So they like those aspects, but they're, they're being very picky and choosy. They mm -hmm. don't want you to actually follow the Bible, mm -hmm. uh, particularly things like Genesis. Or, and or that Jesus is the only way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Now, see, this was interesting because uh, the, this archbishop is a Catholic. And yet they're seeing it even within the Catholic Church. And they're seeing it even within the students within uh, Catholicism. But, you know, you look at a lot of the Catholic schools. They're actually teaching a lot of the secular things, same things you get at state schools. Uh, they just have a priest come in, answer questions, and deal with uh, certain uh, doctrinal issues there. So, I mean, even within their own teaching institutions, you're seeing secularism rise. And mm -hmm. this article brings up something interesting. It says, and I'm not trying to get into politics here, but the Archbishop has been especially critical of President Joe Biden, noting that as a Catholic who openly supports abortion on demand, he should not receive Holy Communion. The, the Catholic Church should have the right to enforce who does and who does not receive right. communion, yeah, yeah. just like any other any mm -hmm. congregation should have the right to determine whether or not somebody is in fellowship with their beliefs. If they're not in line with that, the, the Bible speaks of church discipline, mm -hmm. and yet too many places are afraid to do that. And um, the person that doesn't just talk about the president here, but also about the bishops who would be in favor of giving that, they're, mm -hmm. because they're undermining what they stand yeah. for. Mm -hmm. And acting as if truth doesn't, ma right. truth doesn't matter, what the Bible teaches doesn't matter, it's just optional to pick mm -hmm. and choose. Um, yeah. All right, this next one comes from Live Science. What if humans didn't have an appendix? So I can tell you, I, I don't have one. <laughs> what if you don't My have an appendix? My daughter doesn't have one. Too. I don't have one. I've been missing one for 
almost 20 years. Yeah. You're still alive and kicking? Yeah, actually, it's been about 20 years right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the article talks, um, opens with, the appendix is often thought of as an useless artifact of evolution, which is a myth that has persisted for a Way very long time. Vestigial and it has been organs. soundly debunked that it is not some kind of leftover that's useless. Um, the article goes on to talk about um, Charles Darwin and says, he suggested the appendix was a vestigial organ from ancestors that ate leaves, potentially helping them digest food, and then as we didn't do that anymore, we lost it. Uh, we you know lost how its cows function. have four stomachs, you know, to kind of deal with some of that, kind of the same sort of a thing, a leftover from that that shrinks. And, and since we didn't need it yeah. anymore, it's just kind of the vest vestigial organ. But that is so not the case. Yeah, <laughs> the appendix is actually it. a very useful organ. You can live, as Tim is evidence of, you can live without it. But you, you might turn out like this. Want to so live without it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the appendix actually serves as a reservoir for good bacteria. So good bacteria hide in there, and then if you get um, like a stomach bug or something, and all of the good and bad bacteria get flushed out of you, the good bacteria hiding in your appendix can go and repopulate your gut. That's a nice and way of putting that. Keep you healthy. Yeah, we'll go with. We'll go. <laughs> um, so if you don't have one, you you can get sick more often, and and when you do get sick, it can be worse if you don't have that appendix to harbor that good bacteria. So it has a very good purpose. They also think it may help with producing um, white blood cells and things to help you fight off disease. Mm -hmm. It has a really good purpose. It's not some leftover vestigial organ. So it's kind of like a book. You hear that all the time. You know, you can have a book with an appendix or without. When it has an appendix, it, it's actually helpful. If it's well done. <laughs> if it's well done. <laughs> I'm wondering if you let Avery wants to elaborate on how things get flushed out. But no, <laughs> no. Um, back to the article. Okay. So... <laughs> Um, well, the one part, I'm going to let you guys show what your favorite part okay. was in a second. My <laughs> yeah, don't steal mine. Don't I steal. won't steal yours. Okay. My favorite part of this article was when they're talking about Darwin, speculating about the appendix, that maybe it's just this leftover vestigial organ, but he was wrong. They said, Darwin speculated the appendix no longer served a function, much like the small triangular coccyx bone at the base of the human spine, a remnant of tailbones found in our distant ancestors. Which is just another myth that's been perpetrated, right. which has been soundly disproven. If you want to live without your tailbone, you, you're not going to be able to walk. You're not going to be able to sit down. You're not going to be able to do anything comfortably because all of your major muscles You might flush out your system. Oh, it's going to be hard really? to flush out the system. <laughs> because what that does, you need it if all your muscles attach, attach to that. And it holds all your organs in place. It's you don't important. want to live without one. It is not some vestigial organ. And in this article, which is supposed to be debunking this idea, it just brings in another one. And it's just like, oh. Yeah, my honestly. favorite part is, I mean, they, they talk about this. It, it's just a story to them. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they just make yeah. up things so quickly that yeah. this one is... Um, moreover, they also discovered that the appendix evolved independently at least 32 times among mammals. 32? They, they can't get it to happen one time. 32. But it, I know. By chance, just happened 32 times. You know, every once in a like, while in an evolutionary worldview, they, they talk about parallel evolution. Yeah. Yep. It happens evolution. twice somewhere. Yeah. And even though they can't actually repeat it or, or observe it or see it happen twice, they're like, yes, it seems astronomical, but it happened twice. Here, all of a sudden, they're jumping up to 32 times. That's just outrageous. It, it if really you witness is. this, you better go buy a lot of lottery tickets because oh you're going to win a lot of money. That day. Yeah, this does not oh, happen. It, it, it's a good reminder that, I mean, we've said this multiple times on the show, the, the people who wrote this article, the people who believe that the appendix evolved 32 times, they're not stupid people. No. They just have the very wrong worldview. And because yeah. they start with evolutionary naturalism, they have no choice but to conclude that, yeah, dumb luck happened to evolve an appendix instead 32 of, times. Instead of a common designer said, so that's a useful yeah. feature. 
right. put yeah. it in several It was so useful, I had to evolve 32 times. It's a fantastic design. Uh, so yeah, so they went on to talk yeah. about how if nobody, if all of a sudden somebody waved a magic wand and everyone's appendix disappeared, we deal with a lot more illness mm -hmm. and a lot more sickness because the appendix really does have a good function, yeah. which makes sense because it was put there by an all-wise, all-knowing designer. Um, and, it, and the biblical worldview explains why we have sickness and death in the world anyway. It's because there was a perfect world where God designed mm -hmm. us with perfect bodies, but it's been broken because of right. sin, and now we live in a sin cursed broken world. Right. So the you know, world the, the article pointed out there are some people who are born disease. without an appendix, about one in 100,000. Yeah, one in 100,000. Someone 000. just commented here um, that they were uh, never had one. They like, Apparently, they were born without it. And they're never one in 100,000. They were six or so. So, I mean, that does actually happen. Mm -hmm. You know, these are mutations. These are issues. Uh, the article also says in here that up to 50,000 people a year die from appendicitis. Now, I'm going to use that as a, as a jump-off point, that 100% of people die because of sin. Mm -hmm. And sometimes sin is not talked about enough in our churches or even in our culture. There, you know, sin is a reality. It's in our world. And the punishment for sin is death. And we're all going to die one day. And that's a reminder of mm -hmm. why we need the blood of Christ. You know, it was just Easter. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a time to remember that Christ died, he was buried, and he resurrected to cover the sin problem. Amen. And yet we're in a culture that just re wants to reject the Bible, wants to reject mm -hmm. the sin problem. But uh, let, let's, let's look at why there's this appendix problem. It goes all the way back to sin in Genesis chapter 3. And speaking of people wanting to reject the Bible. Speaking of sin. <laughs> yeah, it's sin. <laughs> this next one, Woke Church of Sweden theologian, Christians can view Muhammad as a prophet. So this is a book that was written by a top, he's described as a top theologian in the Church of Sweden, um, Jacob Viren. Um, and he claims that Christians can could view Islam's Muhammad as a prophet, and he compares um, Muhammad to the prophets of the Old Testament in the Bible. Boy, that's a problem. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, he does say that he doesn't advocate that Christians should view Muhammad as a Christian prophet. He could still be considered a prophet. A prophet. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he tries to backpedal a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. Bodhi, there's, a, there's regulations, requirements in Deuteronomy that speak about what happens if somebody comes and is claiming to be a prophet, what, what happens if they're in the, under, well, the, under it, the Mosaic law? What happens to them right. if they're not accurate? If, if they're, they're wrong or inconsistent with other scripture, really they were to be stoned, they were to right. be put to death. That's, that's what we read in the Old Testament. Under the law. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, if you go back and you look at say the Hadith or you look at the Quran, it's, it's clearly in contradiction with scripture. You know, for example, mm -hmm. um, Jesus Christ is not the son of God. He was not crucified, for example. They, they uh, teach uh, entirely different uh, theology and all this kind of stuff. So they're diametrically opposed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's interesting, though, is when you look at the Quran, though, it does affirm that the Bible's true. So it's interesting that it affirms the Bible's true, but then deviates from what the Bible And it even teaches. says that Jesus or Isa was a great prophet. Yeah, he said he was a great prophet. He even calls him the Christ, and, the Messiah. And describes him much better than they ever talk about Muhammad, but they choose to listen yeah, to what said Muhammad said instead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of issues in here with this. You know, what, what gets me is this is a person sitting with the moniker of someone being a leader in the church mm -hmm. uh, making these types of statements. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got a number of uh, uh, issues, or, or sorry, DVDs and books and things like that that deal with a lot of these different world religions. 
And I want to call your attention to one of them here, Sharing the Gospel with Muslims by Roger Patterson. And he's been on the, the news here quite a bit as well. Yeah, he's one of our co-hosts. Yeah, and he uh, does a great job dealing with uh, Islam. Mm -hmm. We also have a book, World Religions and Cults. It's a, it's a gigantic set here. Volume one of this, there's a whole chapter in there on Islam. But then we also have other chapters that deal with Islam and uh, other uh, uh, as well. We've got uh, Refutations of World Religions, which deals with all of them in one particular setting. Mm -hmm. So there, there's actually quite a bit that deals with the fact that Muhammad should not be viewed as a prophet mm -hmm. uh, the same way you would look at, say, Old Testament prophets mm -hmm. or uh, even the New Testament prophets and apostles and that sort he, of thing. He gave either. his rationale for this. He defended his book and he, he said that his true endeavors were not captured by the sensationalistic headlines. So here's his, what he told reporters why he's advocating this. And he says, in light of the situation in Europe today, where the public conversation about Islam is often poisoned by extremism and hatred, it becomes even more important to have a well-informed and well-thought-out view. So he's saying, in light of what's going on in the country, well, we have to have a, you know, a well-informed, well-thought-out view. And it's like, well, certainly we do. We need to be well-informed. We need to be well-thought-out. That's why we have these resources and we offer them to people. Yeah. But we don't take what Scripture says and change it because of situations that are going on mm -hmm. in order to make people happy or to seem to be more inclusive. The gospel is incredibly inclusive. It says that every single person who comes to Jesus Christ in faith and trusts in him for salvation will be saved. Regardless of their background, regardless of their prior religion, they come to Christ in faith, they are saved for eternity. The gospel is incredibly inclusive. When you take it and you try and add in other elements from other religions, what you're really doing is watering down the gospel, watering down the truth of scripture, and you're changing God's word. No longer is it sufficient. Instead, you need all these other things, and you're destroying the basis for Christianity. So in his attempt to change the public conversation, he's really ruining the gospel, when really, we should never have hatred tainting what we say. We should be loving those who are trapped in a false religion and desperately need the hope of the gospel instead of this endless workspace religion where they constantly have to do stuff to try and be saved, we can point them to the rest that's found in Christ. That's the hope for the light, in light of the situation going on in Europe. The hope is the gospel. Yeah. It's not Amen. in what he is suggesting. See, I like that you pointed out the doctrine of sufficiency. You know, the Bible, the Old New Testament is complete. Mm -hmm. um, I love Jude 1.3. It says that the, the faith has once for all been delivered to the saints. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's for all Muslims. That's for people today. You don't need new Absolutely. prophets. Uh, to, to deviate. And, and Christ and, and the Word of God. You know, the Bible says to, to test everything and hold on to the good. It says to test the spirits. Mm -hmm. You know, so when, when you look at some of these claims, not just from Muhammad, but maybe even Joseph Smith or Charles Taze Russell, mm -hmm. uh, some of these other alleged prophets, you compare that to Scripture, guess what? They're in contradiction with what the Bible says. And, and they will always say that what Jesus did was not enough because now you got to do it. You've got to add to that your work, to your, it, yeah. the things that you can do on top of what Jesus did. No, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Yep. It's mm -hmm. completed. Yep. Absolutely. He paid the full price for sin, and but there's see, nothing we can add to it. What, what can we learn from this? Here, here's something that's very important. We need Christians to get in Bible-believing churches. If you're going to sit under people like this that are teaching you false things, guess what? You can be led astray on a great mm -hmm. many things. What we need to do is go into a church, and one of the first questions you need to ask is, is the Bible the, the absolute truth, the Word of God from start to finish? And I'll tell you what, that right there will probably let you know right off the bat if the pastor's uh, going to be preaching from the Word or not. Mm -hmm. 
All right, this next one comes from Science Daily. Photosynthesis could be as old as life itself. So this is our weekly, forget everything you knew about evolution article that we, we always seem to have. Um, the oh, we got another one today too. Uh, we do, if we, yeah. if we make it to that one. Um, so the summary says, researchers find that the earliest bacteria had the tools to perform a crucial step in photosynthesis, changing how we think life evolved on Earth. So everything you ever knew about evolution, about this topic, needs to be thrown out, all the textbooks, all the articles, and let's start over. I think the headline is pretty good. Um, now, as, yeah. long as, we're, as long as we're talking about created life rather than God himself, because God, mm -hmm. has been, God is eternal, uh, but um, photosynthesis would have been here on day, day, three, day three when God <laughs> made the plants, right? That's right. Yep. Um, now, there was no sun yet. That's not till the next day, but mm -hmm. would the plants... But plant it's okay. These, light. these things can survive overnight. It's right. not a big deal. <laughs> and there was light, whether or not that they could right. photosynthesize. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but, glad mm -hmm. you threw light on the subject. <laughs> yeah. So the think oh, about see, this. I'm getting the groans again. <laughs> Those were the plants were made before the flying creatures, before the swimming creatures mm -hmm. on day five, and before the land animals on mm -hmm. day six. So if we were to count plants as life, now the Bible doesn't dis describe right. them as, as nephesh creatures, right. yeah, but, but still right. from our biological system, yeah. Yeah. we classify yeah. it as biological life. life. Then yes, it's photosynthesis is it's just as old as life itself, other than when mm -hmm. we're talking about God being life. So mm -hmm. throughout the article, they talk about how, um, of course, this sheds light on how light, life might have evolved on other planets. They, of course, bring that in. Um, you know, maybe That's why this is important. It's very important because of that, yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe other planets can evolve complex life much earlier than previously thought, because if we could do it here on Earth, then maybe it could happen other places. Um, so they go on to talk about these, these enzymes, and they figured this out in their view using um, a molecular clock. So basically using evolutionary assumptions, they've tried to like figure out when these enzymes would have first emerged. So, so it's so all they're using, based on evolutionary assumptions. They're using evolutionary assumptions to try yes. to argue for evolution. Mm -hmm. so, That's actually an affirming the consequent fallacy. Yes. Yep. So they go on to talk about how um, this could have been present in some of the earliest bacteria, which puts it at older than 4 billion years. Now the Earth is considered to be 4.5 billion years. In their view, so, yeah. In their view. So in less than 500,000 years, they have to have Earth cool million. down and be able to have life arise somewhere and evolve photosynthesis. Oh, it's even worse than that. In a blink of yeah. an eye in evolutionary time. Yeah, it, it's worse than that because they say the first oceans didn't show up till about 3.8 billion years ago. So you don't even have So you don't even ocean. have the, the warm pools for life to right. start some, in. At some point, but you got the moon striking the earth, mm -hmm. or if that's your view. Right, you know, they're going to have that, that happen. So. They, they got all sorts of strange views. It's very inconsistent. The hey, timeline it, is just extremely inconsistent. Here's what it means. It's, a, it's an arbitrary story. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to throw stuff out there to see if it works. And it's, it mm -hmm. just doesn't work. I got story written over here. Story, 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 <laughs> Photosynthesis story. Photosynthesis is an story. incredibly complicated process that we still don't fully understand. It clearly points to a designer who mm -hmm. designed the process, um, not to some kind of fantastical evolutionary story where it had to evolve extremely quickly in a, on a very inhospitable planet within their own worldview. Yeah. It simply doesn't match with the ob with observational evidence or with their own story. And yet the Bible explains it perfectly. Mm -hmm. God did it on day three. Not a problem for an all-powerful God. Nope. All right, move on. All right, this next one comes from Discern. <laughs> Radical feminists protest World Down Syndrome Day with horrific chants outside Australia Cathedral. So this was an organization called the U.S. Women's, Collect, um, US Women's Collective organized a protest outside of St. Mary's Cathedral in Sydney, Australia. Now, the, the headline is slightly misleading there. It took place on World Down Syndrome Day. They were not protesting World Down Syndrome Day. I went onto their Facebook page, which was 
terrible, um, in order to confirm that. They were protesting Day of the Unborn Child, and the day they picked for their protest happened to be on the same day as World Down Syndrome Day. So I just wanted to clarify that. Um, but this was a counter-protest against Day of the Unborn Child. And we're not gonna play the video because there's um, very foul language in it, but these women were outside this cathedral, and one of the chants that they were chanting was, we will win, put the fetus in the bin. <laughs> Oh, it's I, worse if you heard the whole thing. Yeah, um, it's disgusting. I, just, I mean, they're openly acknowledging, throw the baby in the garbage. Yeah. They we want murder. Win, they want you to support murder. It's pretty horrible, it's really. It's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. And that is the worldview that you get when you reject God's word because human life is not valued under these different It's what you see in Romans 1. You yeah. see people yeah. who worship and serve the creature and you see this... Mm -hmm. this mm -hmm darkness enter their mind and they become right. fools yeah. and then you read on it's like they, they not only yeah. start to do these evil things but they see people who are doing but, evil things and they approve of them and they want other people to do it it's, it, it's like yeah. what mm -hmm. isaiah talks about woe to those who put um yeah. you know darkness for light and light right. for dark and mm -hmm. that's yeah, their, their minds have basically been given over to satan and, yeah and, and, and you know that's what you're seeing here mm -hmm. yeah we, we need to remember it's it, and Bodhi brought it up, it is a spiritual battle. This is a Absolutely. spiritual issue. It's not, yeah. a, people make it a political one, but primarily it is it's about spiritual. human beings, these little yeah. babies, uh, whether they're in the womb or outside of the womb, are made in God's image. Mm -hmm. And therefore we have no right to destroy that mm -hmm. life. On their mm -hmm. Facebook page, where they were encouraging people to come and attend this counter-protest, um, one of the points that they had on their post um, was that pro-lifers don't care about pregnant people, and there you can see the ideology about transgender. They want to call them women, pregnant people, in crisis, or so they don't care about pregnant people in crisis, or bodily autonomy, or else they'd be with us in the streets fighting against sexual violence. Uh, and you hear that claim a lot, pro-lifers don't care about women. Well. It's pro-lifers who are out there starting pregnancy crisis centers yeah, that's and caring what they're called. for women. Pregnancy centers that we don't literally about... exist right. all over the right. country. I'm sure there's a bunch of them in Australia where mm -hmm. pro-lifers are literally caring for women in crisis. But you hear this claim a lot that they that pro-lifers don't care about sexual violence, things like that. What, that's incredibly inconsistent for this group to be claiming because they are pro-abortion all the way. And abortion is one of the big things that sexual predators use to cover over their sexual assault and violence. Because if you can get rid of the baby, you can get rid of the evidence that this happened. There are videos of, of pimps taking girls into Planned Parenthood and saying, hey, we need an abortion on this underage girl because we need her back in doing her thing over here. Can you do this? And the Planned Parenthood people are just like, sure, we'll do this and cover it up. This is an underage child. Yep that they're doing this to, and they're covering over this. There's plenty of videos out there showing them doing this. People have gone undercover to expose this. And it's just, it's horrifying, and it points out the inconsistency of their position, because sexual violence mm -hmm. is covered over with abortion, because if you can get rid of the child, you can get rid of the evidence yeah. that this ever happened. You know, it, it's, it, it's one of those issues where, you know, these guys don't share a biblical worldview. Mm -mm. So why would they say any of this stuff's wrong anyway? Right, yeah. For, even from their own worldview, they're being inconsistent. Very inconsistent. It's from a biblical mm -hmm. worldview that we should that In a biblical right worldview, we can stand against abortion, we mm -hmm. can stand for women in crisis, and we can stand against sexual violence and assault, and we can do it consistently right. because we have the word of God as our ultimate standard. For well, we are officially well, that is out of all time. The top. You have to find out what other part of evolution has been overturned um, in our next yep. episode. Um, so tune in again on yep. Monday, and until then, God bless and have a great yep. week.
Um, just so you guys know, oh. before we're, we're, we're officially done, we've got a whole set of these World Religions DVDs. We do have some that deal with secular humanism, uh, with naturalism, materialism, uh, atheism, all sorts of those types of topics as well. So I want to encourage you to consider that. You can get these on answers.tv as well if you want to get mm -hmm. a subscription to that. And I just want to encourage you to uh, uh, dive into that subject. But uh, God bless you all, and I hope you have a wonderful day.